Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Game Grid Lehigh. Game Grid Lehigh is an amazing place to buy and sell Magic the Gathering singles. Whether you're building a new cube or crafting your new constructed deck, Game Grid Lehigh is the place to do it. Got a draft coming up with some friends? Buy some seal product here and get it quick. So click the referral link in the description to help out the show. And don't forget to use the code DRAFTPRO10 to get 10% off on your next order at gglehigh.com. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and this week we're going to be discussing Blue-White in Brothers War. As always, the notes are available to follow along at uh, patreon.com slash draftingarchetypes, and this, uh, yeah, that's it. Let's, let's get into it. So Blue-White is the second best performing color pair on 17 lands after White-Red, and the second most drafted after Red-Black. So it's pretty good is what I'm saying. Uh, it does well despite a lot of people drafting it. Very notably, the top six performing commons in blue-white are all white, and the seventh is Scrapwork Mutt. The deck tends to be very heavily white with just like blue support for tempo spells. The primary draw to blue is really in uncommons and rares, uh, stuff like Zephyr Sentinel and Thopter Mechanic and Yoshin Tactician, and then uh, rares like Skystrike Officer and Harbin. The archetype is generally pretty far on the tempo end of the tempo versus attrition divide. You're generally racing, uh, you're trying to end games quickly. That has a lot of significant implications in terms of how you want to think about your deck and your deck building. One thing that I noticed when I started looking at recent trophy decks in blue-white on 17 lands is they tended to average around 12 cards that cost either one or two mana, like 12 total, ranging from like eight at the floor to like 16 at the ceiling, which really speaks to how important it is to have like a very, very low curve and to be able to double spell early and often to really maximize your tempo with this archetype. I think that to that end, this archetype uses a lot of cheap cards uh, better than other archetypes. It's really looking for them. So Machine Over Matter is like a good tempo play here. It has kind of fewer synergies than the like really dedicated Mightstone animation blue decks, but it's just good as a one mana tempo play. But then also I think that this deck uses Weakstone Subjugation very well, and even Scatter Ray is a card that I'm not happy to play in general, but plays pretty well in Blue-White, because what's going on with Blue-White is you're generally establishing a clock of evasive creatures, and then kind of trying to counter your opponent's um, counter, or neutralize or invalidate your opponent's more expensive plays that are trying to get them back into the game. And so because you're playing short games, and because it's so easy for your opponent's stuff to outclass your creatures, Scatteray plays really well, because like you, it's easy to have mana up, you're already on the board, the game's going to end before your opponent can easily pay the four extra mana. So Scatteray is a nice like additional you know removal spell type card to supplement your Weakstone Subjugations and your Prison Sentences, and all that's like pretty good here. Often you think of removal as being better in attrition decks, but this is a tempo deck 
that wants some of that stuff. You're looking for like cheap creatures and then you want answers and then you just want to like ride your like cheap flyers to victory while you answer your opponent's more expensive stuff. So this is like you basically you don't need a very high creature count in this deck because you're not doing any kind of like mass pump outside of like maybe Yoshin Tactician, but even there, like a lot of the value you're kind of getting up front from the body, like it's you're not relying on having, you know, four plus creatures in play at a time. If you're just getting through with, you know, a few guys and answering your opponent's creatures, that's good enough. Also, on Weakstone Subjugation specifically, like, because your creatures are small and evasive, your opponent's going to be racing you. They're going to be attacking you with their larger ground creatures, and then it's going to be easy to play Weakstone Subjugation for one mana to answer their more expensive creature and, you know, do that really important double spelling there. Creatures in the format are kind of like small enough across the board that military discipline is a strong trick in white decks in general. Play is fine here. Lauren's escape is probably a little bit better overall because you're mostly flyers and they're not necessarily going to get in combat very often. And your opponent has to like, you know, spend three mana answering your flyer and then you spend one mana escaping it and get scry value again that's those double spell plays that really pull you ahead and let you close out the game before your opponent can stabilize also like weak stone subjugation has a problem in attrition decks that your opponent might have a way to get value out of that tapped creature turn that into a card later on but because you're playing a tempo game the fact that they can you know eventually theoretically get some amount of value out of this like thing that they have left over, that's not very important in a game that's defined by tempo. You spent one mana uh, to stop their creature from doing anything for a while. Whatever they manage to recoup from that, you're happy with what it's already accomplished, basically. This archetype generally doesn't want to splash very much relative to other archetypes in this format. That's not to say that you can't splash or that you never want to, you know, play an Evolving Wilds in an off-color land to be able to unearth your Scrapwork Mud at some point or whatever. But the more support you have for a splash, the more it's going to cost you in terms of, like, having to spend extra mana either on tap lands or on fixing that isn't directly contributing to impacting the board. This deck really wants to be playing to the board, playing down the game, see what a tempo deck is. And then also, if you have a card in your hand that you can't cast, given that your spells are so cheap, you're really going to feel that because you're going to run out of stuff to do and you're going to have open mana and you're going to have a card you can't use. And that can be really devastating. So you want to minimize how often you're splashing in this archetype. Obviously, you know, you're playing blue. You're not always going to be the like white plus blue tempo spells aggro tempo deck, you could be drafting like the mono blue mentality with additional white removal or whatever. So it's not necessarily the case that every blue white deck that you have is going to follow this blue white model, but most of them will. And when they don't, they probably radically don't, and you can like dismiss all of this and think instead about the earlier podcast about drafting mono blue, and you're probably going to be more in that space. You're going to be like a blue 
mindset kind of deck if you're not like this tempo deck. And of course, the blue mindset deck can be a little bit more tempo-y, but you know, as you start getting a bunch of the core cards for the blue deck, then some of the principles of the white deck kind of fall away. This is basically like the core that I'm talking about is basically drafting white aggro in this format with specifically blue supplementing it. This archetype is very uninterested in power stones. Your curve generally tops out with like the five mana, three, four flyer that puts a counter on a soldier that isn't an artifact. The most expensive artifact you really want to play is scrapwork cohort. And so you don't have like power stones don't cast your most expensive spells. You don't have a lot of things to use them on. The cards that make them are not a good fit. None of them are soldiers. They're not very aggressively costed. Um, you don't care about the artifact entering. And then because power stones aren't good, often might stones animation isn't good. There are exceptions there if you have a lot of cohorts of uh, you know scrapwork type things. If you have scrapwork mutt, scrapwork cohort, and combat courier in large numbers, you might reach a point where you also want might stones animation, and then that might get you to play supply drop or something. But that's for the most part, you're not like expecting to make enough power stones that you're going to want to be able to support might stands animation. And that's part of why other blue decks can reliably get a lot of might stands animations is that not every blue deck actually wants them. And this is kind of the premier blue deck that does not want might stands animation most of the time. Again, it's a very strong card. Some versions of this will be able to support it, but for the most part, you're better off skipping the whole power stone thing and then not having uh, enough support in general to play my stones animation. So that's it. This is a very, you know, it's another one where like the plan is clear and all the advice about doing that is very straightforward. Your like your creatures should be the flyers and the ones with the soldier type and the ones with unearth. And you should have a low curve and as long as you prioritize, and then a, a bunch of removal. Like, removal is actually good despite being a tempo deck. Most of the, like, mediocre removal is fine here. Like, you would prefer not to play Deadlier Post, but Machine Over Matter, even Desynchronize, Prison Sentence, uh, Weakness Subjugation, all that plays well. And then, you know, sprinkle in a few Scatter Rays, Lauren's Escapes, and then you want, you know, Three mana, two, two, flying blue prowess creature is like your best blue creature outside of combat courier. Um, and then you want a lot of paratroopers and uh, scrapper cohorts and mutts and chaplains, the one one flyer that uh, mills three and the uh, aeronauts, the five mana, three, four flyer that puts a plus one, plus one counter on the soldier. And then it's totally fine to have just like the 2-2 Vigilance that gets bigger when you play an artifact uh, as your uh, supplemental 2-drop. And then among non-flyers, the other acceptable common is Warlord's Elite, the 3-mana 4-4. You would prefer to avoid stuff like the 1-4 lifelink, the Yoshin creature. And you generally want to prioritize flyers over like Warlord's Elite and stuff most of the time because you do want to make sure that you have that reliable clock in the air rather than playing the Elite that's going to gum up the ground but not might not be able to attack well. So uh, yeah, that's, that's it. I'm going to 
turn it over to chat for questions. Um, I want to thank the newest patron at patreon.com slash drafting archetypes. Ray, thank you for the support. And anyone in chat, if you have any additional questions, comments, concerns about this archetype, hit me and we'll talk about it. First up, would you play mass production with two Yoshin tacticians? I don't think it would be horrible if you had to, but it's not what I'm looking to do with the deck. I think that six mana is just outside of where you want to be. Uh, You know, I would rather be playing 15 lands than 17. Uh, I'm usually going to be playing 15 or 16. And I think that uh, having a bunch of power on the ground in the late game isn't necessarily going to, like, be easy to convert to a victory anyway. If I also have, like, a couple of paratroopers, which I'm assuming that I do... Uh, it's going to be a little bit better because that's more likely that you're going to be able to make those things two twos or three threes. I know that card has had reasonable stats. I'm not sure if it currently does. I I, I don't think that it's where I want to be with the deck, though. There's a comment about Power Stones working well with Paratrooper, which they do. Uh, that is a way to use a Power Stone, but the cost to make the Power Stone isn't worth it. Like, it's it's still the case that those cards are just, like, worse fits for the deck than, like, cards that don't make power stones for the most part. You know, any port in the storm, you know, if you end up with a power a way to make a power stone in your deck, it's not the end of the world. Especially, like, Storming Lesson or whatever is fine. But, uh, and yes, if you have a power stone in play, certainly spend it on your paratrooper. And yes, paratrooper is a high priority for the deck. But uh, I don't think that, like the existence of paratrooper is enough to make you want to like try to create power stones. So there's a question now about the common equipment. Um, I'm assuming that this applies both to wings and to the power blade, uh, the three mana bone splitter. I have seen people play these cards. I've seen it come up in some team drafts I've played. I know I saw a deck from Seth Manfield that played a power blade with a bunch of flyers. I think that it's possible for it to be the best option. It plays well on flyers, relatively speaking, of course. It's hard for me to imagine me personally bringing myself to do it, if I'm being honest. I, I don't think that I will have a deck in this format that plays Veteran's Power Blade, but it is, I acknowledge that it can be functional in the archetype, but it's not where, like, There are enough cards that are better that most of the time that you should be drafting this archetype, you won't have to play it. And then wings, you know, if you have way too many non-flyers for whatever reason, you're just seeing a bunch of like one one first strike, two two vigilance and three mana four fours, and you're not seeing the flyers you expect. I could imagine putting an Aeronaut's Wings in your deck, but you're hoping that like around half your creatures have flying anyway, and it's not just not worth using wings to get another flyer. How do you feel about a blue-white self-mill deck sub-theme, considering blue and white both have uh, two premium unearthed targets in the common slot? I've had a lot of success and fun with it. So you're basically talking about the chaplain is just a good card to begin with. You want that anyway. So you're already like milling yourself a bit, looking for planes and cheap creatures. And then if you want, you could also play the Architect, and then the Architect can find the Recommission, and then the Recommission can get back your 4-4s four or whatever. I could see it. My concern is 
like you're putting yourself in kind of a weird spot in terms of you're not really capitalizing like that's that's you're sacrificing your ability to apply early pressure and you kind of need to have enough non-creatures that your archaeologists are good it sounds like it's a functional deck, but it wants to be in more of a blue headspace than a white headspace. Because, like, if you're playing the archaeologists, then I want to try to get the uh, Mightstones animation package in there. And then you're basically on white for removal plus recommission plus, like, some good things to recommission. So I, I do think that this is, like, a reasonable way to combine the colors into an archetype that's like doing something but i think that it's giving up a lot of the strengths of the base white tempo deck but adding some interesting things to the blue deck if blue is not open enough for you to like be mono blue like the primary spot that i would see myself in like the self-mail recommission deck is if i had some like non-creatures and was looking for kind of the blue direction, but white was open and blue was a little cut. Um, but I wanted to like maximize my archeologists still. And then recommission turned out to be a good way to do that. Um, I could see that deck being strong. You're gonna be still looking for all of the like prison terms or sentences or whatever and weak stone subjugations and stuff. I, I think that that's like a different deck, but it makes sense to me that it can come together. Next up, I find the 1-1 one, one first strike and the unearth one drop soldiers underwhelming when I play them. Our recruitment officer and combat courier, the only one drops worth playing. I think that combat courier and recruitment officer are appreciably better. I've had reasonably good experiences with uh, Yoshin Frontliner, the 1-1 one, one unearth that gives plus one plus one to something when it attacks. And... The one one first strike has been not consistently embarrassing. I'm not like looking to play it, but I don't think it's the end of the world if my deck has one or two of them. There are a lot of like one toughness creatures that it holds off pretty well. And if you have like a lot of self mill, you can get some value out of the scry from the graveyard and stuff. And it's a good way to cast Warlords Elite. But recruitment officer and combat career are way better than Frontliner, I think. I like more than the first strike guy and then the first strike guy I will usually try not to play, but it has, you know, it, it's not truly awful. And I do think the deck generally plays better if you have like a few one mana creatures in addition to like one mana tricks and stuff. I, I think if your deck has fewer than four one mana plays, that's a big problem. And you would prefer to have more like six or so. But that's not that's not all like just one drops. Like I'm counting, you know, Weakstone Subjugation and Lauren's Escape and all, all the various one mana tricks in that. But it's nice if a few of them are creatures too. I think that's gonna wrap it up. Pretty straightforward archetype. Not not much more to say about it. So yeah, thanks for tuning in, and I will be back next week not taking any weeks off no break for holidays or anything we're just gonna keep covering archetypes of course i don't know what we'll be talking about next week that's going to be up to the patrons so yeah thanks for tuning in and i'll be back next week